Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I am your host, Caleb Porzio. I am your other host, Daniel Colburn. Today's episode um, is not brought to you by Zencaster. Unfortunately, we lost that sponsor. We Dude, rage we lost that, that sponsor. sponsor. Yeah, they... Because we hate them. We don't hate them. use Zencaster. Don't use it. It's a bad product. <laughs> I honestly. know we've been telling you to use it because we've they've been, been telling paying you to try us. it out. We've been telling you to try it out. God, what a trash product. Trash. Stop using Zencast. Doo-doo trash, dude. And we're not just saying that because they stopped paying us, although that is an influence. That is a major factor. It's a big one. However, however, boy, oh boy, do they waste a lot of my life. They Um, really do. We are back to our new sponsor, which is an old sponsor, Zoom and Audio Hijack. Audio hijack, baby. So thank you, Zoom and Audio Hijack. Rogue Amoeba, baby. We're back. Yeah, that, uh, yep. So thank you. Um, oh, and yeah, this, so this episode... Hmm? Beep. I was just going to complain beep, more about Zencaster. You take it away. Well, you know, <laughs> all you know, press is good press, and I don't want to give them any more of it. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, you didn't have to edit the show yesterday, last week, D- so dude. I'm going to complain, <laughs> that was gonna complain about it. Dude, so in the middle of our call, last week you may have heard the jazz break in the middle of the show. Um, if you listened, Caleb didn't listen, so he didn't know there was a jazz break in the middle of the show. Did you include a jazz break? That's yeah. Um, production quality, bro. Production quality. Everybody loves the sunshine. Um, so in the middle of the show, uh, a weird thing happened where Caleb's screen... or. Caleb stopped being able to hear me, right? So I'm just talking. Caleb's like, Daniel, like, can you hear me? And then I'm like, Caleb, can you hear me? And then Caleb's like, oh, Daniel, come on. Your internet's going out. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Your internet's going out. And then it was this wild thing. I reload the page. We end up with, like, each of us have two separate audio files of differing lengths, um, and then there's also a third audio file for the soundboard. Um, anyway, long story short, it sucked, and it was all Zencaster's stupid fault. So you suck, Zencaster. You suck, Zencaster. You suck. Uh, but we do have to do the other sponsor read. Um, oh, right, right. Go ahead. This episode is brought to you by the show Dave on FX, now streaming on Hulu. <sighs> you and um, my goddamn wife are both watching this show before I get around to it. And I want to watch it. I like the other seasons. Dude, I have been waiting for season three. Oh, oh have I been waiting? It's so good. And but I haven't it, seen the new season. It just dropped. It streamed. It launched on FX on Wednesday. And now and then it was on Hulu on Thursday. So there's two episodes out. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably just going to do one episode every whatever week. Is that how things week, work? Yeah, that's how things normally that's go. how TV shows go. Um yeah, so, and for those of you, I got to do the, the full ad read. Dave is a show about a rapper named mm-hmm. Lil Dicky, who you mm-hmm. definitely know of. Mm-hmm. And it's about his life. I'm saying all this to say, don't watch the show if you don't like seeing naked dudes. And, like, just... Who doesn't? Jokes that go way too far. And, yeah, if you don't like nudity, do not watch the show. Not the show so for there's you. That this season has already kicked off with like I think he's naked in the first episode more than he's clothed. <laughs> Good <laughs> for real. Um, Get after it, bro. Yeah. So 
Daniel, Dave, I got to you know, I, I, I wish, tell you. I wish rappers, I wish rappers didn't have to do that. Any, you know, I wish that, I wish that a right, rapper that, could just be respected for their raps instead of right, having to their take body. their clothes off. Yeah. Yes, and wiggle his cheeks on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. LD with the LD, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So. Mm-hmm. All Daniel. my live shows nuts like I expose testicles. Yeah. Mm, who's that? That's a little dicky. Is it really? Yeah. Dude, good for you. You just whip that out to, yeah. to continue the metaphor. <laughs> Daniel. Yes, sir. Um, I have been... So Lil Dicky, the last like official music he's released is the album he released like forever ago called Professional, Professional Rapper. Rapper, right? Yeah. And it's like well, good, but it's... He's put out freestyles, but yeah. Yes, he has the... Yes, the very... Have we talked about these? No, but... They're great freestyles. They're the, great. Um, free, they're great. Russell freestyles. Westbrook on a farm. Uh, Russell Westbrook on a farm. That's good. It's very good. And then he's got the other one. They're both like uh, the he's other. Got one, multiple the, sway freestyles, and he's got a yeah right flex uh, freestyle. breakfast club. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here's the deal on LD. Right. His album is the worst of his work. AKA the independent variable. <laughs> yes. His album is the worst of his work. The good uh-huh. stuff is his freestyles. Uh-huh. For sure, but everybody knows about those. I think, yep. like most, if you haven't seen him, go watch him. But here's his best stuff, Daniel. Prepare yourself. Is is the TV show Dave? Is the TV show Dave? I so often go to. You have to go to SoundCloud and mm-hmm. look up Dave season two. I think on SoundCloud, and and then just listen through all the tracks. You can't go to Spotify and listen to the Dave soundtrack because that's all music from the show that's not him that's on Spotify. This is just all the original music that he wrote for all all the the different parts in the show. And it is mind-blowingly good. Like, there are songs in there that are, like, so... Dude, we've talked about this, right? The finale of season two, like, his performance, the fake performance. Is that the Korea one? No, that's a different one. I took That's a, a really shit good in episode. Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great music. Yeah, it is right. And there's oh, like, wait, is it the Kareem Abdul Jabbar episode? That episode, no, that's early insanely in good. Kareem that's Abdul. Kareem, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, no, it's great. It's going right. Yeah. So those are the songs that are fun, but I skip uh-huh. past them because they're like the fun ones. He has like melancholy sad pensive beautiful songs with like incredible music Mm -hmm. do you know like at the at the culmination of the season at the end when he does his big performance but it's like a dress rehearsal you know and i I wonder if i didn't see the last episode oh my gosh dude daniel okay two things this isn't this isn't like this isn't awakening anything in me you remember ali's song like he brings Allie over on his lap. She's yeah. like, Dave, we're going. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and he's uh-huh. like, he's like, has her try out the auto tune. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Have it your way. And that, and then it's like rewoven into the season. That's like the end of season one. It's rewoven into season two. There's a whole episode where they, he like does it at the beginning with Allie. And then at the end, it plays like over some sad stuff. And it is just, amazing and dude it's one of my favorite songs of all time i will stop with this in a minute once i finish and tell you there's a stage performance you need to see at the end of season two that is like unbelievable like totally unbelievable it's the most 
because I don't insane remember thing. It. So anyway, go and listen to Dave on SoundCloud if you don't watch Dave. And again, full warning, there's like some really weird stuff in the show. Like, I think it's a, a milking table, whatever. It's no big deal. Th- right. And that, that kind of kicks it off. But like the episode where he's just naked with what's his name? The producer. What's the producer's name? Oh, you yeah, know this guy. yeah, yeah. I know the guy. I forget his name. What's his name? He's like it's an actual... like best buddy. Yeah, yes. he produced every every song that you thought was like was huge between like 20, 2007 and now. Benny Blanco. Benny Blanco. He wrote the Benny song. Benny Blanco. Yes. Whatever. And so uh, t- TikTok on the clock with the party don't stop. That's Benny Blanco. Oh. Every single every Kesha song, half the Lady Gaga songs, all of them are Benny Blanco. I'll just say there's like an entire episode where Benny and Dave are like running around a mansion. Or just and nude. Naked yeah. And like, it's very weird, but whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I just cannot wait for the music in season three. That's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. But yeah, that was a big yeah, yeah, uh, sponsor. Like we got the paid music. a lot of money. Yeah. And the, and the nudity. Uh-huh, yeah. But, but no, dude, I am so like, I'm just waiting for those little like cut scenes where he just, randomly has like a perf a beautifully original amazing song and it's just yeah. like part of like a scene you know uh-huh speaking so, of um i know that i've talked about the show patriot on here but you gotta go watch the show patriot if you haven't some of the best of songwriting ever and it's a hilarious show hmm. so it's on amazon prime on go watch it okay amazon prime go watch the first two episodes tonight um Very good. i'm gonna watch the second episode of dave tonight then, sure well it's all you know tonight starts as soon as this show ends so you know get after it right right um, right 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 okay right. patriot uh somebody patriot. on twitter recommended and that's somebody i imagine is listening to this right now somebody mm. recommended that we watch um cl- uh class action park or action park oh right someone did recommend that on twitter so i watched I, it with hannah i know about it but i haven't watched it it is wild thank you Bonkers. for recommending that oh. Hannah and i really enjoyed it it's it's not like greatest thing you've ever watched whatever it's just like perfectly topical from our last episode about you know wanting yeah. to just bring back like <laughs> dangerous backyard activities yeah. Air- airsoft on go-karts yeah exactly it's ba- dude it is that like yeah. one of the rides in action park and this is like a place that actually existed in the 80s in new jersey is like sitting in a you get your own little tank yes totally (laughs) you get your own little tank you sit in this tank and you get to like you you know it's like a little go-kart there's a bunch of other tanks and they're metal and you can shoot uh, tennis balls at them but like some of the workers like dumped dunked the balls in gasoline and lit them on fire we're just launching like flame but dude people died at action park it was the rides are insane you would see them and you would holy crap very cool not a lot of supervision i feel like you and i were born a little bit too late for like the golden era of shit being dangerous and stupid yeah it was the cocaine i think that that did it yeah i feel like i do feel like my childhood was was pretty like pretty like that for the environment you know Mm mm-hmm like I think I we did a lot more stupid fun stuff than the average kids, but um but yeah, I mean if we were in the grew up in the eighties it would have been even like, Yeah. Or if we next. were starting businesses in the eighties. Totally. 
the, the guys starting businesses in the eighties were they were on with some the, next that, shit. And that's where yeah. the cocaine. Comes that's where in. the cocaine comes in. That's where Definitely. you're like, it would be a great idea to have like flaming fireball tanks that we can shoot at children. Stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely that. Mm. He, he's lit. He, this dude was the like Wolf of Wall Street dude before Wolf of Wall Street. He was like a penny stock slinger. Sure. Big dude got bumped off of Wall Street for whatever Ooh. illegal thing. Took all his money Ooh. and just made like the most insane amusement park. Hell yeah. Ever. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So that's that. Um, those are pretty much the sponsor reads. Yeah, I think I think that's all of them for this week. Which normally we have more than twelve minutes of sponsors for you, so we apologize. Um, yeah. Well, no, you have. You were going to ask me a question before. The show. Oh, right. I was going to ask you a question before, and I forget what it was. Do you know Andrew Huang? Was the question? Do you know Andrew Huang? Do you know Andrew Huang? Absolutely. Okay. Cool. I was just watching an Andrew Huang video before we uh, kicked off the show that is a keyboard. Was it the keyboard that you can wiggle with to vibrato? Change, to wiggle yeah. To dude, how funny is this? The YouTube algo knows. Uh, dude, we're like, we're in sync, dude. They know what yeah, we dude. want. That's Anyway, funny, it's bro. so cool. I want one. Like, how long ago was that released? I don't even play the piano, but I want one. It was released I also, four hours ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nuts. That is nutty. <laughs> four hours ago anyway this is the type, like i want to like i want to there's got to be an amount of money you can pay to just have andrew wong like vacate his life for two days mm-hmm. and you can go like hang out with all his stuff well it is the amount of money that that stuff costs <laughs> that's true no but <laughs> at, i want him at, to set it most. up too i want <laughs> him to like cap. arrange it all yeah right right that's because like the way it's arranged you like look at his life you're like oh dude the amount of I know time spent arranging all of your synths is insane. Yeah, his like modular setup is yeah. nuts and would be fun. Even just have you, you, just have to you fuck se- with it? Yeah, have you seen Chompy? Chompy. So this thing just like you know YouTube knows I'm into synths and it, it just <gasps> oh like, yes I've seen it yeah. of course I've seen it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so they so for the listener like I'm so amped about Chompy yeah I'm not I'm I'm not gonna buy it I made the decision the Kickstarter launched I put it on the calendar. Just to give myself the option. Mm-hmm. And it launched and Chompy. How much does Chompy cost? Guess. Uh, I don't know. $4.99. Okay. For the listener, Chompy is this standalone audio device, like uh-huh. a little synth sampler thing. And the keys on it, it has like a single octave of uh, piano-esque keys in the sense that they're white and then black for the miners. And the keys are clickety-clackety mechanical keyboard keys, which is so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. That's so dope. And then mm-hmm. up top are just like a handful of buttons and knobs that look very friendly. The color scheme is totally something like Josh Camo or Camu or whatever his name is. I, I'm sorry, Josh. Um, his his style. It's like very friendly, 3D happy colors. Anyway, looks really cool. They do this little YouTube demo that like starts with like you know some little sample and all of a sudden Chompy's making like the most beautiful ambient music ever and you're like Super give cool. me one of these things you know give me a give me a chompy get me chompy and so it launched on kickstarter and it was uh, actually six hundred dollars which is gonna be like a hundred dollars off the actual price which is seven dude it's like way too much money that's insane you should just buy a, a deluge you know uh-huh. at that price maybe mm-hmm. but point is so chompy 
I just did, like decided like no Caleb you're not going to do that because there's a bunch of guitars I want to buy you can't you know, have the, a chompy I can't no Caleb you cannot have a chompy but just get you one on build eBay a in three years or that chompy is just is it a layer source? on top of Daisy they're going to open source some of it but Daisy is a microprocess whatever it's like an Arduino sort of thing uh-huh, you can program from- it with Arduino code meant for audio processing so it has like the ins and outs that you need and like you know all the midi stuff that you need it's is like this gonna be like when you, this is this is gonna be like when you were building a boat like get halfway through it yeah are you yeah gonna, are you i'm gonna not gonna actually build chompy but i'm i'm just saying i had to like replace the carrot of spending six hundred dollars with the carrot of like you can build it if you want it you know okay cool if cool. you want this thing buy a daisy Get some mechanical keyboard keys and some switch like seats and like mm-hmm. just program some silly little thing, you know. So I anyway, think you but I just do thought it. that was cool. I, I agree, but I don't have time. Yeah, no one has time for problem. anything. That's the issue. There's no time for anything. No time for anything. So whatever. I but I just wanted to bond with you over Chompy, but yeah. Chompy. Yeah, dude, we have the same YouTube algorithm. Yeah. Except I like I have more do. I think I have more poker. And I have more, um, what else do I, oh, I have a lot of, they've identified me as like a person who wants to hear like 45 minute videos about like the history of things. Um, so I have a lot of like, uh, this guy was like Stalin's number seven and he like, here's the reason that like, uh, the Holomador would not have happened if it weren't for this guy. You know, or whatever. Let's play um, Daniel Caleb YouTube YouTube algorithm bingo. Ooh. Um, and so I I will say a YouTube video if it's in your algorithm. You don't have to actually load it. You can just tell me because you'll just know. Uh huh. Like if it shows up in your on your YouTube page from time to time. Okay. I get a point, and then okay. we alternate until it's not fun or cool anymore. Okay, here's one that I am seeing on my screen right now that you I have, have to do it seen. from your brain, though. Oh, from my brain? Okay, I will yeah, close you YouTube. Your brain. Okay, um, here's one. Uh, it's the uh, Theo.gg teaches the T3 <laughs> stack to the Primogen. Um, I'm going to give it to you because the Primogen shows up every day. Uh-huh. Theo.gg occasionally shows up. Uh-huh. And I have seen the T3 stack, at least reference in a thumbnail. So okay. you get the point. Okay. I will say, though, that I almost never click on Primogen on videos. And when I do, am I the only guy who doesn't like watching his videos because they're so long and pointless? That's why I like watching them. That's why everybody likes watching them. But, like, I just want to be, people like... Li- you don't like streamers? Like people yes. like People like streamers because it's like, dude, I got to have something going on in my ears... So like, that's the problem is I, I, I want the YouTube algorithm optimized version of the Primogen where he makes like a three minute video on some concept. Yeah. But that's not it. It's but it's like, not conversational. It's not fun. Like people prefer the more like conversational things. At least people like me. It is totally a gap. You're a hundred percent right. I don't watch any streamers. And when I'm watching him, it totally has that streamer vibe Yeah, and it's meandering and like, and fun in that way. And well, you know, cool and just hilarious. He's like, I love the dude. I love what he's about. I think he's super smart, but I watch his videos. I I almost never click on them anymore because I'm like, I don't really have the attention span for this. 
if he even gets to something I want to see, you know? Yeah. But I did watch I his Chad he's... Stack one. Have you seen his Chad Stack? Uh-uh. So this is Chad Stack. You know, he'll go like, like he goes, the prime agent, but he's yeah. Chad Stack. Chad Stack. It's Cobol, Haskell, uh-huh. and the D is something, but what is the A, Daniel? Angular. It's Alpine JS. No way. Yeah, and I think he just picked it because it's an A. Uh-huh. Cobol, Haskell, Alpine JS. Alpine and something else. Um, but like, I so I watched one just to see like, what's the joke here? Is the joke yeah. that... Am I getting like, made fun of? <laughs> right. Am I getting made fun of? And I think to a degree, yes. But like being a Chad is something you don't want, but like maybe secretly do, you know? Uh-huh. So in some sure. ways it's like, all right, if like if a Chad uses Alpine, like that's that's a good sign, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I don't think it fits in the same league as Haskell as far as, like, dudes writing. Ha- but whatever. Yeah. I I watched it, and the whole thing is about every other language. And then literally the Alpine content is in his HTML file. He has a CDN for Alpine. And that's literally it. He doesn't even have an X data. So I think he just needed an A for something that's, like, not, like, totally mainstream. And he chose that's Alpine. So funny. So. That's so funny. Anyway, thanks, Primogen. Okay, so point mm-hmm. for Daniel um, Your turn. Wendover Productions. All the time. thousand times. Why is California day. bad? Which yeah, is like right. today's mm-hmm. drop. But like Wendover oh, do Productions. Have, do you have economics explained? No. <gasps> oh, boy. This is going to turn into... Well, that's not a point for you, So, but I, I mm. like the non-points. It, it's They're very points. Wendover-esque. Really? Yeah. Okay, then on that... he's He's been getting more... Um, it's been interesting. Since like... Uh, inflation kickoff in the Mm. u.s happened he's gone from being a guy who was like hey let's look at how um the balkan islands economy fits into the world stage you know Mm. yeah to now being a guy who's like inflation is going to cause the collapse of society and so he's kind of become like a a little bit of like a you know like buy gold bricks type of guy recently interesting not okay. actually. He doesn't say really that, seen... but he's just got like the energy of it. Okay. Yeah. And everything I do watch of his, I love, but he's not one that I'll watch every video. He's one Sorry, not I Wendover. The... Not Wendover. I'm talking, oh, talking about, about the... Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Okay. Because the last one was like how presidents travel or something, you know, mm-hmm. it just... Right. Um, okay, economics explained. Well, on the economics explained line, um, uh, what's it freaking called? Something engineering. The dude with the construction oh, hat is the, yes, the, yes, the yes, like yes. avatar. Uh-huh. I forget the name, but yeah. Practical engineering. Practical pretty engineering. Sure. Yep. You watch I'm that familiar. dude? I'm familiar. He's got stuff on like the like the massive uh world that is preventing rust in industrial like like applications. You know, right. like paint. Basically the role of paint and you know, he it's just so deep and insane. Um okay, yeah. Okay. Um, do you get DIY perks? No. Dude, let me just for a moment talk about this dude. Perks. This dude is a freak, but I love him. Um, I don't know what it is about him. I, he has extreme, like multiple women in his basement in cages energy. Like Mm. he is, have you seen the show you on Netflix? No. Okay, it's a show about a guy who keeps a girl in his basement in a cage. 
Um, it's a very, uh, it was very, it's very popular. Anyway, dragon tattoo. He's, he's just like a creepy normal dude, you know, but he's like a normal dude and like secretly has a girl in a cage. This guy is creepy in exactly the same way. He's got these like big eyes and he kind of like looks at the screen in this creepy way. And he's very like, he's like a posh British guy, Mm -hmm. you know, you could tell he like comes from a rich family and he's just like, I don't know. But all that aside, those are all reasons you wouldn't watch the thing except maybe as a car crash um but he also builds like the dopest shit ever he's like hey i wanted to build a ps5 into a desk and then build a monitor also into the desk and like he built he like fabricates these awesome like all-in-one type of things where he'll build like yeah crazy shit did somebody recommend you or was youtube like trying to get you to watch a video where somebody like makes a slim ps5 and has like a copper penny in the shot like up that, front that was him okay dude yeah. that's freaking funny that's, that so that, so so i you get the point for that yeah. <laughs> because i've never watched one of his videos but clearly i would yeah well um, he made it out of copper okay dude yeah, yeah they, the youtube like wouldn't give up on it it kept yeah. just shoving it and i was like I it's because i've watched so many of this guy's this. videos they're like oh well you watch everything this other guy watches right, so you, you should watch. <laughs> yeah like the the ai just like <laughs> yeah. mixed like daniel and caleb it references daniel we actually only does, have one at some level you're gonna start getting a ton of poker content watch <laughs> i don't have any poker content yeah well let's get through some of the obvious ones fireship mm-hmm. uh yes obvious fireship uh cgp for, gray probably the most obvious second most obvious cgp gray for sure did you uh-huh. just watch his recycled video yeah 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 yeah, yeah so the cgp gray five years ago did a video on artificial intelligence and it just like showed up on my feed, but it had chat GPT in the title. And then I looked at it and it was like five years ago. And I was like, what the heck? Like, oh, did he just recycle this video? He totally did. And it totally worked. And then the comments are like, we're just getting a master class on like recycled content from CGP Grey. And it's like perfect. Like yeah. it's just, just as relevant right now. More relevant uh-huh. now than it ever was. It was called was. Humans Need Not Apply, right? Back in the day. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't, I didn't watch it. I, I watched it now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Fireship, CGP Grey, no doubt. I mean, obviously, like Mark Rober, something like that. I feel like sure, everybody yeah. has. In Everyone their... gets Mark Rober. Everybody gets Mark Rober. Mark Rober and... makes a video. Every human is alerted. <laughs> yeah. And what about Mr. Beast? Are, is he in your feed? Uh, when he does a big one, I'll get the recommendation. Same. Yep. He's not like right in there all the time. Shit, yeah. Right. And I'm very glad I don't. Thank God. But yeah. occasionally. I'll like indulge him and watch him scream at me about spending a ton of money. So I have like hyper fixations, right? Like I'll get like obsessed with a thing for four months and then I'll yep. like stop caring about it whatsoever. Yep. And so I have to do the like YouTube algorithm pruning where I'll tell it I'm not interested in something and I'll have to do that a bunch of times to like remove a concept from my algorithm. So I'm just starting to do that with poker because I watch so many poker videos that it like completely took over my algorithm yeah and now i can't get anything else so it's just like the primogen in poker right Right. now um and so i'm having to like untrain it from poker so anytime i see a poker video that's not like oh this is something i definitely want to be told about yep i'm just like not interested not interested not interested trying to like bring it back into like a manageable proportion of my algorithm i have the exact opposite problem daniel i mean i know that problem of course Uh because it's it happens like um 
like sometimes if I like as you you know like sometimes you go down a rabbit hole that you like oh I really don't want to tell YouTube I like this but I really mm-hmm. want to watch it like I'm careful about late night uh, monologues mm-hmm. and like the closer look like late night Seth Meyers and stuff because mm-hmm. I I like them sometimes but I but don't, don't want you don't want to get normie YouTube yeah I don't want to get I don't want to get normie YouTube that's a great way of putting it I love that um, yeah but I'll have well, the opposite problem like for a minute I was like hyper into restoration YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you and I know, like we could say this about probably 500 things in the past two years. And once it like once the algorithm's like, oh, Caleb's kind of over this, I want it to like I want it to surface things that I'm subscribed to. Like I want a better mix of like the for you tab in Twitter and, like, and the, the subscriptions tab. Exactly. Yeah. Because like yeah. there's so many when I hit subscribe. I'm basically like internally I'm saying I want to know about like every video from this thing, you know? Yeah, you got to the bell. There's a bell about that. <gasps> That's what the bell is? Mm-hmm. Does it slip it into your feed? It gives you a notification. Where does it, it but I don't like, how do you get a notification? Push notification on your phone, but also notifications in YouTube. Like, I, I guess I don't want that because I, well, I, I'm not like, I don't have YouTube open, you know, like on my phone or... No, but like when you go to YouTube, it would be like you have new new new, new notifications. Yeah, I guess I don't even want that. I want it just dovetailed into you my want. feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know what you it want. should be better about that. Am I right though? Like, there's so yeah, much like wrong. buried stuff that you you're would wrong. like to see. But like, okay, so when I was like uh, researching pistols a while back, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. to like buy a gun or whatever, and so I like bought one, and then I was like, okay, like. I no longer need most of my YouTube to be like gun content, right? Yeah. But like once most of your YouTube is gun content, they start making other assumptions about who you are, you know? Yeah. And they're like, hey, could I interest you in like I know. a lot of Jordan Peterson content? And I was right. like, uh, you, I'll watch a little of it, you know? But like, you know, and then it's like, before you know it, they're just like, hey, like, uh, do you want to join uh, Adam Waffen Division, you know? So anyway, yeah, it gets dark. That, that, it gets dark right, pretty it, quick once you go. To, the gun, getting into like gun content is hitting the like go to button. It's a mm-hmm. go to statement instead yeah. of like a subtle algorithmic nudge. It's like go to that type of content. Yeah, like let's just start everything. feeding this dude like red pill right. shit. He and, hit like, the button, yeah. guys. <laughs> You're like, hey guys, a white guy watched a gun video. Let's unload the fire truck of shit right. on him. Do you, I mean, I'm sure you get the Rogan Friedman, of course, um, yeah. Huberman. Well, yeah. Well, fuck Huberman. I don't like Huberman at all. I, I'm getting um, salty on him, but tell me why. I mean, I don't want to say, uh, you know, I, I listened to him this morning on Tim Ferriss. I listened to his podcast and I've listened to him on other podcasts and I dig his content, but I'm starting, I'm past the, that like, it, he got on my radar because Mr. Money Mustache did a whole post about him and was like, this dude's legit. And, you know, Mr. Money Mustache says that. You're like, great, let's see it. So um, I like the My First but I'm, Million But I'm past the, the point of, like, I love you. Now I'm headed towards disenfranchisement. So tell me. So I like Sean Parr and Sam... Fuck. Sorry, Sam Parr and... God, I'm mixing them up. The two guys who do My First Million, which okay, is a podcast. Yeah. Yep. They do, like, business podcast stuff. They're friends yeah. with Huberman. Okay. Um, I don't like Huberman. Something about him has, like, extremely smarmy, like, rich dad frat guy energy, which I just really don't enjoy. Like, something he, – he, and he also is, like, kind of, like, 
this is the other thing I don't enjoy. He's like very much a like, like I've heard him on podcasts and like an equal amount, like the amount that he talks about like business stuff is like equal to the amount that he talks about like triggering the libs stuff. You know, oh. like most of his shit is like, hey, the reason I'm successful on Twitter is because I say shit to piss people off and I just don't give a fuck, you know? Oh, really? I and I'm like, oh, that. you're fucking lame, bro. Um, I definitely more listen to him directly. What annoys me about him is, well, he's self-indulgent, Uh huh. which it's like, I just want the science content. And once you kind of get the get his shtick or like get his background, like he was a skateboarder and like had kind of like a darker past. Then it's like you're on listening to some podcast and something that like doesn't really warrant him bringing that up. You're like, oh, you're going to bring it up, aren't you? Yeah, you're going to go. And then you're going to like not realize that you're on a tangent and go way too far down the self-indulgent tangent. Are we talking about the tangent. same guy? No. Andrew Huberman? Andrew Huberman. The, the business? Wait. No, you got you got the wrong guy, Daniel. I got the wrong Huberman? Maybe you yeah, got the wrong Yeah, that makes sense because he's not talking about business stuff. Oh, my God. And he doesn't really piss people off on Twitter. And he's well, a you- better guy than you're saying. Okay, Andrew <laughs> Huberman. Huberman. This is Huberman not the guy who Lab. owns. This is not the guy who owns self storage units. No, no, this is an American neuroscientist. Okay, this is a totally different guy. Okay, so then let me because you like had such negative energy about him, I probably like over negativized my feelings towards him to like fit in and be approved uh-huh. by you in the conversation. Um, so I will say that I do dig him, but I am Nick. By sorry, him. I was thinking of Nick Huber. Who is not Andrew oh, Huberman? I Nick Huber is the self storage okay. business douchebag. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I'm, you're listening to different content of Andrew Huberman's. No, sorry. Well, okay, Nick, all right. Nick Huber is the douchebag. Mm. Um, Theo Vaughn, I was like, it was my poker. I was so heavy into him, and now I'm not really interested in everything. We've well, already to seen me. it. Yeah, you've already seen it all. I've seen it, and yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of over Theo Vaughn, but I think he's so freaking funny still. I love him, mm-hmm. but I don't want to watch his videos anymore. But YouTube still thinks I want to watch his four-year-old videos about yep. Bobby Lee and his girlfriend. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So there's that. Yep. Um, yeah. So that dude, I mean, that's... Uh, we got very similar dude, YouTube. Primitive technology? Oh, I don't get recommended it anymore, but every once in a while I'll be like, oh, I should go see the last 20 videos this guy made. Wow, dude, what a you pleasure know? to be able to have not thought about him and be able to go back to 20 videos. Yeah. He does like two videos a year, it feels like. And, um, yeah, he's great, I'm though. Just, he just dropped he's one fucking, yesterday, He makes iron out of the yeah. ground and then makes knives out of it. You know, He's a cool yeah. dude. Yeah, he's a nutty dude. He, he is, to me, one of the greatest YouTubers of all time. He I think so, yeah. Easily top five. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Legit dude. Legit. Um, well, this has been fun. Yeah, this has been fun. We went we through play, our, yeah. our, uh, our YouTubes. And I'm sure we only just titillated the surface. Just scratched the surface, sir. Okay, so Daniel, okay. Um, let's just get down to brass tacks here. We got to talk about event sourcing. We got to talk about event sourcing, bro. It is... It's my new shit. It's been my shit for a long time, but... It's like really coming full circle. Can I lay a foundation for Please. you to explain to me why it's good? Yes. So my encounter with event sourcing is like, well, actually is the f- baseball football service and they used Kafka mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like a, 
external service in their microservices infrastructure. And there was like pretty simple uh, setup, like pretty simple app that had, you know, a big app, but a simple one that was like, let's just say transactions. And instead of just having a database of them or whatever, they streamed them to Kafka and then like, you know, and I remember seeing conference talks about event sourcing and like the promise of like, it made sense to me. You put everything on this, everything, instead of just changing a value in the database, it's like an entry in a long list of entries. that's like push only. Mm-hmm. And then if instead of a database where if like you lose your database, you're screwed or something is data is lost and you didn't have a backup, you're screwed. This is like, you could replay the whole history. You could basically time travel. You could, you know, recover from issues and like the one time that company tried to do the replay and recover themselves, it was, it was junk and was a total. Okay. Right. So that's that. That was my first, then it sort of came into the Laravel space a little bit spotsy event sourcing package. You had talked about it a little bit and I'm like, okay, so maybe event sourcing is still good in like a smaller, you know, where maybe you don't like use it for those big pie in the sky promises and go crazy hard into it. Maybe Mm -hmm. you use it for some like small part of your Laravel app and it benefits you. But still I had the mental frame of this is a thing that you push stuff onto so that you can eventually replay and you can have that like streamy, you know, history tracked nature, whatever. You expressed to me in the last episode and, you know, just in general, like you're super new event sourcing right now. You have a ton of content that you think is really unique on it. And you're like, Caleb, you have misconceptions about event sourcing. The things you think are the big sell. And then you're like, that's not cool because that sell is wrong because I know it's wrong because I've seen it not work. Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. The sell is actually something else that most people don't know. And this is Daniel's launching pad into architectural enlightenment for the rest of us. And so to you can you can basically take it wherever you want, but I like sat down and thought about like if we were talking about event sourcing the old way, maybe we would talk about transactions in an app that has them and you would store them in a whatever yeah. stream. So the yeah, the traditional example is like a bank ledger or something, right? And right. like every time someone explains event sourcing, they're like, "Hey, let me tell you a story about a bank that needs to know how much money's in your account." Right. You know? So I want to know a blog. Why would a blog with posts that can be like uh, archived or draft sure. post or you mm-hmm. can see an edit history of the post? I want to know why if I'm running a blog platform, I shouldn't just have a posts table and a post model in Laravel. So I'm yeah. not sure that you shouldn't with a blog platform. Um, okay. But we can because... at least use it as like... Sure. So let me... Let me just like make the point, right? That like, I think for a blog platform, like 90% of the time a post is going to stay in the same, the same state forever, right? It's going to be posted, right? And yeah. like a post is not going to have a ton of like movement, right? Like yeah. maybe before it gets posted, it goes through some drafts and some like internal editing and all of that stuff. But eventually it becomes a post and it just stays a post forever, Maybe like um, an ad, like a Facebook ad. So one of the the one I've been thinking about recently is like a loan application, right? Okay. Like say you were like applying for a loan yeah. and like your loan application had to go through a bunch of different phases and like pass all these different criteria. And maybe there's like sure. third party APIs. They have to check your credit history and they have to like do all this other stuff, right? So you have yeah. this loan application that's like sort of asynchronously going through a process and waiting on things to come back and, you know, all of this stuff. That's yeah. kind of like a good example, but I think 
like like we had said last week, like anything with a status column to me is like that's a pretty good candidate for um for event sourcing. But yeah, to sort of loop back around to what you were saying, I think you're correct. The the traditional value propositions for event sourcing to me are almost meaningless. Um I don't have a lot of interest in replaying events. I've never done it. Um, I've heard from people who did it and had problems. Um, I know uh, Boss Chris and the Internachi Boys had a attempt at replaying some events recently, and it did not go cleanly. Eventually, I think they made it work, but it was not like as like painless as the pitch would have you think it would. So, be. what are the what are the pitch promises for event sourcing? If one of them is replaying events what are the other like capital p pitch promises so i think the other one is like um so like the normal sort of like ledger promise right is like uh you get like sort of full history visibility right yeah um and you can teleport to any point in time and know what the state was at that point in time right right yeah so if i need to say like like say something, say I like am a bank and I received a notification that like, hey, you spent $1,000 last Tuesday, right? One of my vendors hits me up and says like, hey, a transaction just processed from last Tuesday when this guy spent $1,000. Yep. I can say like, okay, well, on last Tuesday, did he have $1,000 to spend? Mm-hmm. And I can like know exactly at that moment in time, like what was the status of everything, right? Because there's an entry in there that has a fixed number that says his account balance or you because can, I can like, just add like, up all of his transactions. Yeah, I can say I can add up all his... of the events up until that exact moment in time and I will have built the state of this account. Okay. So yeah, this is the thing. This is the thing that I think is really valuable about event sourcing is I'm going to not use any of the traditional words for a little bit here. Yeah. I'm going to use Great. my own words. Um, Good. State machines. We yep. love state machines. I like a state machine. You like a state machine. We all love a state machine. Yep. Right. Indeed. Event sourcing is a really, really good way to build state machines. Okay. Um, so if you want to have a state machine, a la, and I'm going to bring up some things that people don't like, but like Redux, it was like a really good state machine pattern at a time, right? Where it was like, oh, we've got these, we've got this big state that we need to manage, right? And like, how are we going to do it? We're going to do it with like sort of reducers and actions and this this whole kind of like so i guess like is i mean in my mind there's sort of like there's like a state manager like redux or like a state machine is more that like more like um fine-grained pattern of like a single value like a status on a post a state machine knows all the potential statuses and how to move from one to another and rules about moving from one to another Sure, but and I think that that is derived from the state. So you get both here, right? So you've got yeah. these objects, right, that are built up over time, right? Yeah. So imagine you've got a state, like like imagine a React component or something, or an Alpine component, um, where you've got sort of your initial state, your like on mount state, right? Yeah. Where like mm-hmm. a bunch of values start at zero Count or is null, zero. Yeah. Right. And you've, you've got sort of that initial state. And then, like, yeah. you do things. So you, like, press a button that increment. calls increment. That turns state to one. Yeah. Right? And then you press it again. It increments, and it turns state to two. Right? Yeah. Yep. The thing is, the things that you're storing are 
the nouns, right? So this is, I think, the big difference. So like traditionally, especially in like object-oriented programming, right? But like in lots of places, we're accustomed to storing nouns. Um, we just think that the, the more important thing to store data about permanently is nouns, right? So okay. I want to know, I want to store the count or yep. I want to store the... Um, the status status right my argument is that in a lot of cases especially if you have nouns that change often yeah it's much more useful to store verbs and derive nouns than to store nouns and derive verbs okay. um and so it, gotcha if you like have a status column is a is a verb right exactly so you could store rather store than storing event, basically rather than storing <laughs> yeah, the you... count equals two yeah you could store two increments yeah and then you could derive that count equals two from the two increments yeah and would you store a decrement or would yep. you remove you would also the store a decrement increment. no no i would store a decrement okay. so i would store yep. increment increment decrement increment decrement and yep. from that i would know that count equals three yeah right um so i think that's really cool it also gives you like full like in, in a front-end application right it gives you like full like control z ability sure Right, you can just like start undoing actions right. and yep. then like uh, just sort of work backwards, and then you can control Shift Z back through all the actions that you had done. Yeah, um, I are like, I don't want to take you on a tangent. I just want to like put a flag down that like in my mind, I'm sort of keeping a list of of like paradigm level cons, and mm-hmm. one of them, one of the trade offs, I imagine is memory for storage and speed of like so let's say if my if alpine's internals used events instead of just storing a simple count you store an increment and decrement and after a thousand clicks now to show a value i have to like well maybe oh the speed well whatever maybe you can just run it by the the very next event not run it through all the events but like to store all the events i feel like eventually isn't there a point where there's just so many events that maybe you there want is. to like squash there is a point. events? You do that. Or there's like all sorts of caching strategies no, you, or something? No, you, you snapshot your events, right? So yeah. this is the thing, right? You, But there's probably wanna... a whole huge tangent I shouldn't take you down right now. Well, we'll talk about it. But like, yeah, just, just rest assured that yes, snapshotting events and like snapshotting like a squash I of like a bunch of events is a thing. I like squash with events. Yeah, because it is like squashing commits, right? Yeah. Um, so yes, that's very much commits are kind of like event sourcing. Yeah, like version well, control about is, it, like, is event. So sourcing. much good software is event based, right? Like if you think about just like your text editor and the fact that you can control Z through a bunch of things. Yeah, that means that it's not just statically storing the text that is currently in the window. Right. It's storing all the events that led to that text being in the window, or it's storing the states at the at every point. Sure. You know? Yeah. Which I don't actually know, but I'm sure I, I'm just picturing that like. Well, every you time do you... know because if you go to edit undo, when yeah. you hover undo, it tells you what you're undoing. Oh, that is true. If you says like undo paste, right? You're right. So it Daniel. knows that the thing that happened was a paste. Very not interesting. That, not that things changed. Right. Dig it, Daniel. Um, so yeah, events. There's something magical about them. Here's the thing, right? Yeah. There are so many places in our apps where Browsers, we... Browsers, visiting different pages, <clears throat> hitting back button, yeah. Okay. There's so yeah. many places in our apps where we have... So status columns are like the easy example, where we have... Uh, we store data 
that sort of points to verbs, but is stored in noun shape because that's what we feel like we're allowed to do, right? So say I have a loan application um, and I set the status to canceled, right? Yep. What I'm doing when I set the status of a loan application to canceled is I'm saying that a cancellation happened, right? Or that someone canceled this thing or something canceled this thing. But I'm not yeah. storing that useful information about who canceled it when for what reason. Right. And so like what? the those like micro pattern of don't store canceled, store don't store is canceled, store canceled at. Right. And now you have two pieces have of information. Slightly Has it been more canceled? Info. Yeah. And when was it canceled? But then you're right, there's other information like when was the last time it was canceled? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in the case of canceled. Was it weird, at some but, point uncanceled and then recanceled? Yeah. Was it uncanceled, recanceled? Who canceled it? Did they have a reason yeah. for canceling what it? What were they, they wearing when they down? canceled it? Stuff Did they like write that. something down about why we're canceling this? Did we, sure. they write a note right. about what was it? the reason? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So, 100%. So I, I So get we this. store these nouns only and we squash all of the information about the, the actions that led to them. Right? Yeah. So we just store state changes. Um instead of storing the things that caused the state to change, yes. right? Uh, the argument for event sourcing is if you just store the things that caused the state to change, A, you'll have way more information, right? Yeah. There's just way more information that exists now. Right. Um, B, it is as easy as ever to get the current state, right? It's not any more difficult to get the current state than it was when that was all that you were storing. Um, okay, is this because like, the, the top event on the stack has a cache of like the currently derived value uh not necessarily the top the event doesn't have the cache but the the uh state manager we could call it right that starts mm-hmm. out with the empty state and then applies events one on top of the other yeah to build up the state that mm-hmm. thing can always build up the current state from all of the events so this is like an internal static cache uh-huh. of the most recent state uh-huh. that in theory you could you could basically say like you could erase it and then you could rebuild up back up to it mm-hmm. and it should be in the same exact state yep in fact often you don't often you don't store this machine right like you just derive it from events when needed right and the important thing is you can you can store data in any shape that you want right so say mm-hmm. that I do want mm-hmm. to know um, what is the status of the loan application. Like yeah. I actually do want to know the word canceled about this loan application, right? right? I can store a status column and I can say the status is canceled, right? Yeah. But that's not the, the base data that I'm storing. The base data that I'm storing is much more rich than yeah. just that one piece of data. But yeah, of I can, so this is the event sourcing word is project, right? Which is yeah. a really good word. It, it makes you think about like a light source and a shadow, right? Okay. Yeah. And that you're almost like projecting a shadow of the events. Yeah. Um, so I, I think of like this status column as a shadow of actions that happened before it. Interesting. So there, the, another word in this event sourcey stuff or in state machines is a reducer. Yes. Or, you know, in state managers. And so what I would think is a better analogy for what you're describing is a reducer because you could reduce a hundred events to a single value rather than mm-hmm. a projection, mm-hmm. you know? 
yeah. which is sort of like additive, you know? Sure. So you're not always doing it to a single single value, right? A projector could might project to a million places, right? So you could actually do the opposite. You could take a single event and project it to a million places, right? Okay. So reducer is a little bit opinionated about saying we're going from many to few. Yeah. A projector doesn't have that opinion. It often is going from many to few, but it could also be going from one to many, right? So I think we're at the part where it's helpful for me to just be in a blog application. All right, let's let's be in a blog application. So talk to me. So I normally would have a table called posts. Let's say, Mm -hmm. let's start with this. I have a create post page Mm -hmm. in Livewire, Mm -hmm. of course, Mm -hmm. and fill out the form. You hit create. And now you have a post model. You hit post colon colon, create validate it, post colon colon, create. Now you have a new entry in there and it mm-hmm. redirects you to an index page that shows you mm-hmm. all the posts that you've created. Sure. So let's say we have no entries in our post table, right? Yeah. And we're about to write our first post of all time, right? Yes. So I fill out the form. I submit the form. What normally happens either in my component or in my controller at this point is yeah. that I like take the input from the form and I go post colon colon create, and I like jam the validated data into that, yeah. and I get a post, right? Yes. Um, and then it does some other magic to like associate me as the author with that post, right? And then whatever. Probably just yep. sets an author ID, but yeah. whatever. Um, the event sourcing approach here would be rather than calling post colon colon create, let's... Um, let's fire a post created event. Okay. And we're going to pass all of the exact same data that we would have passed into post colon colon create. Yep. Into our post created event. Right. And uh, then we'll have a projector, which is essentially just an event listener with a job. Okay. Um, And our projector is going to catch that event. Okay. And it's going to say, Oh, this person fired a post colon colon created event. Yep. Now I, the projector, my job is to turn that into a post. So okay. I'm going to take this event. I'm going to take the data out of the event. I'm going to call post colon colon create. And now I will have created the post in the data. Okay. So, so, so far, just like, so can far you... we have the exact same outcome. Yes. But let's just say that the setup so far is a very simple event bus. And we mm-hmm. fired an event and we registered a listener that heard the event and now stores it in the database. Yep. Okay. Correct. Um, and so that is great. And I love that. Right. So now yeah. let's say I uh, go create my second post. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So now I've created a second post. It went through the exact same process. What I really want to know say I have a page where I have like an author activity page. Right. Okay. And mm-hmm. I want to know like everything that this author has done. Right. Is it simpler to just start with like a post count thing showing on the page? Uh, you could do that, sure. So, like, say I have an author column, right? And say, or say I have an author table, and on the author yeah. table, say I wanted to have a post count column for some reason. Yeah. Right. Um, so I might have. All right, now I have to start using event sourcing words. Sorry. I might have uh, the the word I've been avoiding saying so far is aggregate because I think it's an it's a confusing concept, but. Um, Say I have a author aggregate, right? And so the author aggregate, I think aggregates should generally be one-to-one with models. Go ahead. I am am upset at the leap. 
I'm upset that you took a leap. We have an You're event. You're upset that I took a leap. We mm-hmm. have a listener. Mm-hmm. We have, I want to know, I don't want, we're not pulling in a package. We're building this from scratch and from first principles and we're using okay. the most literal names and we have a database table with posts and we also have a database table with events, presumably that when an event is triggered, its content goes into that database table for later replay or something. Sure. The listener gets triggered, stores uh, a row in the post table. Sure. That's where we're at. Now, let's so say I'm on my user profile and I want to see how my many post posts count. has this user made. Right. Yes. So the thing that we, the reason for the leap is that to go back to first principles, the second event doesn't, isn't aware of the first event. Right? So the yeah. second time I create a post, that second post created isn't aware of the first post created. Yeah. Right? So there's a world where I could write some code that says, get all events where type is post created and author ID is Daniel, and then like count them. Right? Yeah. Like I could right, do right. that. That's an anti pattern. Yep. Um, right. You don't want Makes to be sense. like writing complex queries against your events column. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, Perfect. So instead, explain that. Right. Yeah. So you're. uh, This is sort of a hard and fast rule of mine. Is that your and not just of mine, but it's something that I enforce in my team. Is that uh, we don't write business logic code that is aware that events exist. Right. So the business logic code, just we just write code as though it's a normal Laravel application that has posts in a table. right? Right. So when we're, you know, pulling an index of posts or something, yeah. we just do like post colon colon all and then loop through it, right? right. Uh, yep. We don't do, we don't query events. So if I want to show a post count on a user, yeah. I don't want to go query the, the post events and count right. them. Instead, I want to somehow have a, a state that starts at zero because that's the default for everybody. Is yeah. to have zero posts and then apply events in order. And each time I apply a new post event, I want to increment that piece yeah. of data in the state. Right. Until I get up to the current moment. And then I might want to project that data. Okay. Does that make sense? Makes sense so far. Yeah. So, okay. So I, we registered a listener. We triggered a post created event. We registered a listener called on post created. Now we are registering what, where? So we're not uh, necessarily registering anything. If I want to show this post count. Number. Right. So what we're doing is instead of firing our um, event directly, right? Instead of calling like dispatch new post created event. Yeah. Um, we're going to build almost a context in which to call that event. Um, and so we're going to call it inside of what's called an aggregate. So the aggregate is going to be basically a slice of events. So this might be all events related to a given author, right? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to add a column on my um, on my events table that is like, uh, let's say like author UUID or something, right? Okay. So I'm then going to reference... The author's UUID, it doesn't have to be UUID. It could be like type and ID, right? But UUID is a single column. You Why know? not just ID? Because it, 
you might have events that are related to all sorts of different classes, not just authors. Okay. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Like, because sure. your stored events yeah, table, all, it stores all sorts of events. Okay. That's interesting. I have lots of questions there, but okay. continue. You ask them. Well, let's, let's handle them. All right. So how do we deal with different event schemas? You, sure. So you store an event type, which is a FQCN, and okay. then you store a JSON blob full of the params that go into that event. Okay, done. Um, so if you have, you can create posts, but of course later on you can delete them. Mm-hmm. And in your post count, you want the deletion to remove one number from that count. In your events table, you had post created and then a JSON blob. On For deletion, do you have post deleted and then a JSON blob Correct. of relevant data? Correct. And then you have a post deleted listener that knows to remove that item from the database? Yep. Okay, so so far, so far, what I feel confident about, and I have mm-hmm. like perfect clarity on, is a post table, mm-hmm. an events table, and we've mm-hmm. sort of settled the schema for each. Post is very literal, normal, what you'd have in a Laravel app, mm-hmm. and then events is you know kind of this generic schema that holds JSON blocks. Yep, and like then we have these listeners, thing. and then so yeah, so we have triggering events, passing it data, which stores the event in the database, and then we have listeners that receive the event and perform some sort of side effect. Sure. So, so the that thing, is what I'm clear up till. Everything sure. else is you're saying words and it's blurry. Let me talk to you in words that you know. We're talking okay. about hydration. That's the thing that we're talking about now. Okay. Right? So we're talking about like on a new request, yeah. I need to hydrate the history of this particular stack of events. Right? So you might think of like all of the, po- let's just say all but how the do only we get? Tr- how do we define like, can we write out pseudocode for this? Like, where we, do I? We could, but can I, I just define the concept pseudocode. first? Can I de- define the concept of a stack of events real quick? Yeah. So let's just say like all post created and deleted events relating to a specific author. Yeah, that is the thing that we're trying to rehydrate. It's a query. It's an event. It's an events query, basically. It's sure. like it's a filtering. It's, a, it's an event filter. Yeah, it's an event fill. It's a bunch of events that we want to apply in order to build up a state. It's like if you have 20 events, just normal natural events, there's some it's a filter function because it literally passes each event through a filter function to return true or false. Mm-hmm. If it's false, those things just get removed and then everything else compresses and now you have this subset of events to the deal subset with. of events. So let's we can we call with. these event filters? That would uh, make me happy. We could except it's a, it makes it seem more complicated than it is to call them filters because there's no complex logic that we're filtering by. All we're doing is we're saying get all of the events with this UUID on them. Uh, interesting. So why wouldn't we say get all the events that have like this JSON piece of data? Because it's slow and we don't want to write complex queries. We just want to so say th- like, we just want to say event where UUID is... Or where like the the author UUID quote unquote and that's a, so that okay is the the UUID of the current author. This is the hard part for me. Yes, this is a column in the events table. Uh huh. It's not called author UUID in real life, but for now, let's just assume it was. Is it in real life? Like, did we just? What you just did, what I thought before was that the events table had a generic schema mm-hmm. and anything specific to like the model, like a post, is stored inside the JSON. Yeah. Blob. So here, let's let's call it this. Let's call it rather than calling it author ID, let's call it group ID. Okay. Right? So there's there are yes. event groups. Okay. 
right? So what I'm saying is I want all events where group ID is one. I gotcha. Yep. And so I'm already like a little troubled because I'm thinking you have so many different types of events. There's so many different vertical slices, so many different filters you might want, but you're like storing, you know, how they're related up front. So I think group that ID? you, so A, I think that you're wrong that there are that many different slices that you want, but okay. B, I think that you are oh, right that it's more than just one. And okay. that is one of the places where I have differing opinions than the Spotsy package. So I, what I'm describing right now is kind of what you can build currently with the Spotsy package. Okay. Which is you can have a an event can only be associated with one aggregate. Um, okay. An event can hold on. An event can only be associated with one with one filter as an aggregate. With one group. Filter? Yeah. Let's call it a group. Okay. We'll call it a group. Gotcha. Because filter implies that it's doing some filtering where yeah, yeah, a group yeah. is like labeling it inside of a group. Correct. Okay. So let's say in our, our, our land, like, can we, let's just add a column called author ID, right? Yes. So we have a column called author ID. When we created the event, we stored the author ID in this column. So now the columns in the events table mm-hmm. is like an ID for the event, a name for the event, a JSON blob of its contents, and now like it's sort an of foreign ID. key, I guess, yeah. author ID. It's a services group ID. So now yes. I can say, say if I want to get the count, I can say, get me all events with this author ID. Now I have mm-hmm. a big array of events. And now I can loop through each of those events. Oh, so this is where this is what a projector is. A projector is a way to take a, a group of events, a filtered set of events, and basically turn it into the thing you want by um, running each through a function. No, a projector is a way to, to take a single event and okay. project it to the database. Mm. And aggregate is a way to take a group of events and apply them in order to derive a state. Okay, so then let's if we if we can, let's stick let's stick with the frustrating Caleb language that is dumb. We have triggering an event, we have listening for an event where we put it in the database. We now have this group ID on the events. Yes. Now so, walk me through how to get that group that post count for an author. Sure. So let's get all events where group ID equals the author's ID. Okay. Right? So now we have yes. all the events that relate to the author. Yeah. We sort them in order, starting from the earliest one. Yes. Right? And yep. we take the empty state, which is post count is zero. Right? Yeah. And then we apply each event to that Wait, empty state. we take the empty state, post count is zero. That's the part I... Right. So let's assume that we have, um, let's call it like an author state. Right. Okay. And what is this? Is it a row in a database or an object or? No, it's just, a, it's a object in memory. Okay. Right. Yep. So it's just a, a variable. Let's call it a, let's call it a PHP object. Okay. Called author right? state. Okay. Called author state. Right. Okay. And it has one public property, which is post count colon or post, post count equals zero. Great. Right. And that's, yep. it's like default initialized state. Yes. And then it has, a method on it called apply post created. Okay. And then it has another method on it called apply post deleted. Great. Right? And yes. the apply post created says this post count plus plus. Okay. 
and the apply post deleted says this post count minus Wait, let me guess. minus. Oh, I was going to guess that. You're very smart, and I knew you would have gotten there. <laughs> Thank you. Does that make sense, the thing 100%. that we're building? Totally. Okay, so it's a class, it's got an initial state, and then it's got how to apply each of these two methods, or each yes. of these two events, yep. right? So now what we do is we take our group of events, starting from the earliest one, Yep. We take our initial state of zero, okay. and then for each one, we call the corresponding apply method. So for the post-created yep. event, we call the po apply post-created. Then we go to the next event. If it's another post-created, we call the apply post-created. Yeah. Then we go to our next event. If it's deleted, we call the apply post-deleted. Then Perfect. once we've run through all of the events, yeah. we now will have a number, which is an accurate number of the number of posts that we have Okay. in memory right yep so that is uh how we build up a state from events perfect does and that make so, sense yep so originally we had triggering listening storing events now we can group events and we can put them through event through project is that what they're called a projector this is a projector the thing the we state? just built this, no that's yeah, called this. an aggregate Dang it. So what we're doing is we're aggregating a bunch of events and okay. turning them into a single state. Right. Okay. I'm at this crossroads of wondering if I want to embrace aggregate reducer and projector or if I want to like not, you know. Sure. <laughs> but well, we haven't said anything about reducers. We've only talked about I know. I'm just saying like the language, like these things that get thrown around. Yeah. So I, like these, I am all kind of like mean the same thing. You know? Sure. So I'm kind of fighting with myself about this thing too, because part of me, when I create our package, wants to call these things more accessible names. Right. So what's a more accessible name than aggregator? Or state. Ag is it aggregate? Or yeah. okay. State? I would call it state. Great, because it is state. Yeah. We're calling it state, Daniel. Okay. So we have an author state. Yep. I almost want to so call it computed state. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. Let's call it. Or derived state. Derived state is better. Derived state. Yoink, Daniel. Yoink. So let's just, um, let me make a rule that will make our lives easier. Um, okay. There should only ever be one, deri like derived states should be one-to-one -one with models. So if you have an author model, yeah. you can also have an author derived state. I see. You should so have like, like multiple public properties instead of like author count derived state. Author correct. Belly rub derived. That state. is my opinion. Um, okay. Others may disagree. I'm of the opinion life gets so much easier if you say I have an author and an author derived state. I have okay. a post and a yeah. post derived. I could see state. the temptation to make them more um, broken up or whatever. You mm -hmm. know, to to see to make them more like this thing is just in charge of the count you know it's so like, here's the reason right is because you could just you, like if you have a new feature you could just add a thing and not change a thing you know sure so so the chances are pretty good that some other piece of your author state mm. is going to want to know about this event that happened and yeah. since we're only putting one state id mm -hmm. on each event if i make it, my states too small I'm yeah. segregating that event away from other states that might want to know about it. Does that make sense? So say I have yeah, an yeah. author name state and an author post count state. Okay. Right? 
Um, but say I want to like um, change the author's name once they've written 10 posts to like senior author Caleb, right? Yeah, yeah. So my author name state might want to be aware of post-created events in that case. Right. Because I need to derive their name from their number of posts. But if I have them as separate states and the post-created events say my state ID is the ID of this, yeah, like is this author created stuff yep, or this uh, whatever. I, I, then I think I get it. The yeah, two the, states need to be, they need to share, you want them to share events, right? Yep. And so if you have your states on like a model level, then you can sort of share all the events about that model. Yes. And that's why it's useful. You can like access the latest state of that, or you could access the state, the entire state of that thing at a given point in time. Correct. In that little slice. So it's yep. like you just have more information and it's one loop instead of, you know, multiple times looping through it. So maybe there's some performance thing on replay. I don't know. Sure. But okay. Great. Um, so I yeah, you. I'm in that. It. That is, uh, that's sort of the basics. So I think right now what we've built is like the basics of event sourcing, right? We've okay. got events that happen. We can project them. We can uh, we can build up a state in an aggregate, right? And or sorry, in a state, we can just build state. up a state, right? In a derived state, yeah. Um, and then that derived state is aware of the entire history. Of so I do have one question. Events, yes. In a given request, when I want to show a user's post count mm-hmm. in Blade, I say um, user arrow post count sure author arrow post count post count is on the model am i triggering some code that runs through all these events to build up the state in memory object and give it to me to then echo out the count or is it at least cached for the lifetime of the request or i'm assuming it's cached between requests where's the memo where's the thing that allows you to not have to sure so you, know. you, yeah, so we can both agree, like, we don't want to repl- replay all these events in memory in order to derive the number of posts that an author has written every request, right? So I think the most common way that you would want to do it is you would want to have a post count column on the author table. Um, and so if you wanted to have a post count column on the author table, if mm. that was like the piece of data that you wanted to update... Then mm-hmm. you could in your apply post increment apply post created or apply post deleted methods. Yeah. You could also just emit another event, which is author post count incremented or author post count decremented. Um, and then you could project that with a projector and say, mm-hmm. go update this database column. Okay, so let me think here for a second. If we're just using a database column feels like we're back to listeners where yep. we had a listener for post creation that created a row in the database for posts mm-hmm. and now we have a listener for post creation that increments a field on the author table mm-hmm. and if you want to tear everything down and boot it back up again you set that count uh column to zero you wipe your database mm-hmm. and then you replay all the events and it does its, does its thing so it's like we have listeners so far. We can accomplish all this with listeners, but they have names for for specific the nature of them. But like so far, we can just use listeners now, right? Uh, 
Talk me through how you would use a listener to get the author post count to be projected onto the author. So post creation knows the author that created the post, right? Yes. So I just have a on post creation. I get the, mm-hmm. the blob of data. I say, get the author ID. And then mm-hmm. I look that up in the database. And oh, I and say, you like pull the existing one off pull of the, the existing authors. ID, increment mm-hmm. it by one. And then that's that. Sure. So yes, you could do that. You, what you are now doing is mixing event code with business logic code. Because I'm referencing the existing value from the database? Exactly. So in okay. in my world, um, and yeah. there's reasons for this when things get more complicated. Right? But how do but you like, do... How do, you're still referencing if... You know, we were saying... I, I don't know. Tell me. I feel like so, what you described so is the same thing. It's not. Um, so You're not. The... Yeah, I would say that it's not a good idea to uh, reference properties of models from within event land. And it's not a good idea to reference events from outside event land. So I think you're either in event land or you're not in event land. And if you're in event land, you should only talk about events. But remember when I asked you, like, what's the caching mechanism so that you're not replaying every time you need to know a post count. And you were like, well, the d- database column called post count in the author table. Sure. Yeah. So that's like, what, yeah. what that means is when I need to know a post count, I'm just going to get you're the post count. reference that. Yeah. But when you're going to increment a post count, you're going to reference it to know to increment that number by one. Oh, right. So you're asking like, what, how do you cache like a bunch of historical events? Yeah, like if I'm going to, you know, so say, we're, say we're like a thousand, know. say we're a thousand events deep, right? Yeah. And a new uh-huh. post comes in. I want right. to reference like what was the post count before this post came in so that I don't yeah. have to replay I, I want a thousand that derived events. state object right before the new one I'm about right. to create. Sure, sure, sure. So let's just call it a derived state snapshot. Great. Perfect. Where we take all of the public properties currently on the derived state, stick them yes. in a JSON blob, and save it to the database with a timestamp. In a table called snapshots. Derived state, derived state snapshots. Yes, so it with gets the key the, of the type of the derived FQCN, state. It gets the FQCN, and yes. then it gets the JSON blob of data. Spelunk. 100%. Yep. Okay. That's it. Makes perfect sense. Love it. That's what I was kind of after. I'm, Sorry. I dig it. And then I, you could just wipe that table, and it'll like, and then just do the manual And it would replay. get rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now there's interesting things that, uh, for example, say um, say we have a rule that says you can only post three times in a day. Okay. You're not allowed to post four posts, right? Yeah. Um, so say uh, someone wants to make a post, right? Mm, okay. So, well, let's back up just a little bit. So rather than, so we were t- we. Earlier, we were dispatching a post-created event directly from our controller method. Yeah. Right? We were saying, like, on our controller method, we were saying, like, dispatch new post-created with all of this data. Right? Yep. Let's move that logic inside of our derived state. Okay. So let's actually make a create post method on our derived state. Okay. And then we'll let that thing fire the event. Okay. Okay. So now in our controller method, we'll say um, author colon colon derived state arrow create post. Author colon colon derived. So we're going to get the derived state that corresponds to this author. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, got it. Then we're going to yeah, uh, call create post on that derived state. 100%. Yep. Right? And then in that create post function, we're going mm-hmm. to now, we now exist inside the state with data about like what the current state of the app is mm. or what the current state of the state is. Sure. And so we can now write an if that says, if this post count is greater than three, mm-hmm. throw too many posts mm. exception. Okay. Now, what if, so you're inside the author state and you said you like to keep these state objects kind of mapped to put to models. What if you want to access, you're in this author state, you know the post count. What if you want to access something outside of it, outside of this, this state? You want to access another derived state, uh, some other model, you know? Sure. Do you just call it? So if that model is somehow linked, then I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. So I would say like, like say I needed to access like the team, say the author's on a team, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, then I would probably pass a team ID in, right? Okay, yeah. And then I would say, like, team colon colon, like, team find team ID colon colon derived state. Yeah. Arrow, whatever. Right. Um. Okay. So, so you can you wall. can still use the models to say, like, reference which derived state we're talking about. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Here's the thing. But within derived states, we should only be looking up other derived states. Basically. Yes. So there's a wall between a normal Laravel app and event sourcing land. Yep. And it is, I, I totally see that when you're calling, when, when you're in code inside that, you can't access the model. You have to pass in the team ID. You can't go post arrow team ID. You pass in the team ID because the minute you start accessing the database inside of a derived state, now you're accessing something that is not in that slice of time. Like if you're time traveling, you're now accessing like reality, like the sure. actual time of day instead of now, the pretend time of day. You could argue in like a really deeply event sourced app, you could argue yeah. that it's that we would probably have a team ID property on the author derived state because... Yeah it's pretty likely that lots of things are going to be referencing the team. Sure. So and in so, like the most bonkers, you know, if you're truly committed to it, the drive state is the state, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but so that there, but even in like a less bonkers world, chances are something else in this derived state already referenced the team. Mm-hmm. And when it did that, it stored the team ID to the, to the derived state. Okay. And now, so now the whole state knows what team this author is associated with. So we don't need to pass it into every single function. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, yes. Like we want to draw a hard line between like referencing like what I would call implementation details yeah. outside of state land. You know. I got. I got a and question. One for of you. yeah, sure. If I am storing the post count, but now, two months from now, I introduce a concept of comments, mm-hmm. and I want to have a comment count, but let's just keep it on the author's table, so it's like a post, whatever, post views, total post views or something, I don't mm-hmm. know, that deals with post created, you know? It's like, I have a new piece of state on the author state thing that um that now that I, i'm going to change the handler for you know on post created 
to now reference data that's being passed in at runtime, but that at some point in the past didn't exist on the event, you know, on a historical event. Mm-hmm. Now there's more information on post created than there was. So how do we deal with that? Sure. So you could, I mean, so if it's information that didn't exist on the event at all yeah. in the past, then obviously you're going to have to write some sort of like, how do I deal with an event that doesn't have that data? So there's condition. no world. There's or no like crazy architecture could, where you map like a event version <laughs> with an with a derived value version. And there so you is. just create like a new so there, class. There is an I there is a concept of a it's so hard to keep saying derived state when I want to say aggregate, but there is a concept of a derived state version, yes. Um there are. There are ver- there are concepts of that. It's a little more complicated than I think right, we're ready for right now. It's definitely like um, right. it feels like one of those things that that maybe if I were to be building an app and decide that this is a good idea, that and go down that road and then hand it off to Daniel, he goes, "What the flip? Why did Caleb do this?" Well, do you, it, you know what I'm talking about the the specific app from Titan that you inherited that I basically did that in yeah in the yeah, database yeah, yeah. like stored the version of the class that this thing you uh-huh. know just so that it I was do like recall. historical at like runtime historical as well yes yes yes. but there is something there to that but okay well, whatever this this happens from time to time i think most of the time it's better to just say to to sort of handle it like if this thing isn't set then do this other thing or like yeah or to like merge the event with like a default event class or something Right. So so the answer, my question was, let's say some piece of data isn't available in previous events. Now it becomes available and we do something with it. Of course, you have some sort of conditional. It says, if the event doesn't have this thing, return early or something. Sure. But I think the next level of this question that you maybe have already anticipated is that what if you're not changing the data that came into the event, but mm-hmm. you want to change the state, the derived yes. state, but you're already snapshotting the derived state yeah so you can just delete your snapshot okay right? so you delete the snapshot and replay back up to get this new derived data yep okay that's and so the, the that the is that int- the way basically yeah okay. like you you just change how your apply methods apply yeah right you've got an apply method for each yeah. event you just change what those apply methods do so interestingly it's actually in a good event sourced app, I would say it's way more common that your events contain way more data and that you're actually Yeah. Just kind projecting, of projecting like you're yeah, you're projecting a tiny amount of the data you have. Sure. Because your your like views don't care about half of this data. They don't care yeah. about what IP address your user was on when they created the post. Yeah. But we might store that in the event. And then later down the road, we could write some security tool that says, hey, if a user makes posts from multiple IP addresses within an hour, we should flag the second one and say, this looks like spam or something, right? Set that premise again? Like why, how would you flag? Let's just, sure. So say that on every post created event, in addition to like all of the data about the post, those events are also storing the IP address, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then say we want to say a thing where it's like, hey, if, if a user makes a post from an IP address yep. and then within an hour makes a post from a different IP address, yep. that's potentially sketchy. Yeah. So we, we should flag that as like 
some a person should check whether this is spam before it yeah. gets approved, sure. right? Yep. So um, we're not going to project that IP address into any model tables anywhere. Right. It's not going to get stored on the post. Yeah. On the post table or whatever. Yeah, it's just like event. It, it only exists in event land, right? Right. And you only care about it when And I only care about it in event land. Events. Because all, all it's You only care about the relationship for. between its value as it differs across multiple events. Correct. You never um, care about its like point in time value right yeah i only care about it like as it relates to these two events right so and therefore like it never needs to be queried it never needs to be displayed in a view it never needs to be like yeah it never needs to really exist in like application business logic yeah um but it might be useful at some point in the future so like why not just store it on the event and that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the approach that i take with event sourcing is like Store everything that you might want to know on the event. Just stick gobs and gobs and gobs of data into your events because you can have a mess in that JSON column. It doesn't fucking matter, right? Because at the end of the day, you get to project the beautiful schema that you want to query. Yeah. Right? So, like, you know, I've come in, like, my life is that I come into people's applications when they're in trouble, right? <laughs> like, so much of sure. my life is like, hey, uh, we have a we have kind of an issue here. Like, we went a little ham, um, and then now we're cut. Now we have twenty second queries. Uh, do you think maybe you could come bail us out of this situation, right? Yeah. And I get there, and a big part of what they did is they anticipated needs, and so they split data a bunch across like a bunch of different tables. You know, and they stored all this extra data in like pivot table columns that, you know, or whatever. There's like all this extra data that's not actually getting used in the app in any real way, except maybe to build up these complex queries, right? Uh, Like as things to say like where has or whatever to like filter down these queries to get the data we want. Um, So what I'm saying is you store all the crazy data. Do it, but store it on your events table and then mm. project the data as you want to query it. Yeah. Right? Like write the query you wish you had and then yeah. just project the data so that right. you can have that query. Right? Yep. And then if down the road you realize like, oh, we did need that piece of data. No problem. You got it. It's right here. Yeah. It's in the events. So like project it, you know? Um, it's a very... Do people ever do... You know how like you do unideal things in re in the real world yep have you ever or do people ever modify past events so yes the, actually my first experience with event sourcing was a absolutely wild thing where we needed to migrate from an old a 15 year old procedural php app that ran on a separate server mm-hmm. and we needed to like re-implement that feature as part of like our big laravel monolith right mm-hmm. and we let's say we have like 10,000 new entries coming in a day, mm-hmm. right? So like there's constantly data streaming into it. We need all of the historical data yeah. to be like mutated and turned into our new Laravel schema. Mm. And we need all of the new data coming in to be simultaneously put to the old schema and our new Laravel schema. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And then one day we need to flip a switch and say, like, we're switching code bases, but the data is the same. Yeah. Right? And so what we did is, first thing we did was we uh, we created events when the new data came in. So when okay. when new data came in, we fired an event with all of that data. Yep. Um, and so then we built a projector that projected that new data into our Laravel schema, right? Yep. And a projector that projected it into the old schema. So now nice. the data comes in in one event and it's getting projected to two places, right? Mm. We haven't then, talked about projectors just as a note. We need to cover that, but go on. We did. Projectors are the event listeners that write to the database. Oh, okay. So that's like what we initially described. That's as what just we initially listeners. described was a projector. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. So, so a projector is like the first level of handling an event correct. and the derived state. So there's really like two concepts here. There's projection and aggregation or just mm-hmm. listening and deriving. Building up state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So what we did is we, uh, we're first, we switched over to events and then we're projecting into two different databases with two different schemas. Right. right? And then we went back and we wrote the crazy complex query to query all of the old data. And we wrote a giant job that turned the old data into events. So we like generated events for like, if we had been using events this whole time, wow, these are the events we would have created. Dude, that's insane. For so the if past there was like a count years. table, or if there was like a count item that mm-hmm. has like 500, you would have to generate like 500 faux historical events. We created a fuck ton of fake events. That's crazy. It was insane. Does it ever make sense? Go ahead. Well, so, and then we projected all of those fake events into our new schema, right? So we Mm -hmm. took the the exact same projector we were using for the new data, and we just fed the old data into it. And obviously, we wrote a ton of tests to make sure that all the data we were pushing in was valid. And then, so now we've got like this, whatever, let's call it like a five-day long job to project 15 years worth of events into this database, right? So that's just running, doing batches of 1,000 events every 10 minutes or whatever, right? Um, That just runs for a week or something. In the meantime, all the new data that's coming in is also getting projected to the top, right? So that when this job ends, now we're at a state where we have all historical event mirrored in both databases. All new data that comes in gets mirrored to both databases. and we have two different UIs for creating new events, and both of them get mirrored to both databases. Oh my gosh, So at dude. this point, we You're could switch over. Truly, like, like, um, what's the word for like? If you have like an old system and then a new system, and you don't want to just like turn one off and turn the other on. Yeah. You have like, like zero you know, two cars like yeah. getting up to speed on the throughway, uh-huh. and then like hopping over to one. Well, not only that, we do, we're not just, not only are we just prepared for the big, like, flip the switch, everyone is on the new system thing. Right. We actually were able to just say, like, all right, we're going to move Use over 1% of the people to the yeah, new system dog, and so see dope. if there's issues. And then Dude, we can move over. I feel over. like your whole freaking career could be built off of, like, That's what I'm being saying. a master of migrating old systems by keeping both up. And well, that's that's what I'm saying. So I've been talking about this for multiple oh, years dude, of saying like I'm so ev- amped about this right now. I've been saying like event sourcing as a tool for schema migration is oh, like dude. the craziest shit ever. Right. right. 
but like it's not sexy enough so like i can't have that be my initial pitch for event sourcing like i'm working on building a better pitch for event sourcing and so like a big part of what we're doing like rewrites are a bad idea always Mm -hmm. because but you hate your code base yeah and you really freaking want to rewrite everything you're Mm -hmm. working in a schema you hate and you want to be in a schema you love yes this is a way to do it and not step on a rake you know right hire me and i will make sure that your users don't experience issues you can gradually onboard them you keep both systems up and running until you're 100 percent confident the new system is better and is the way you bring over one percent of the users and you get to watch them have their experience and blah 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 yeah Yeah, it's so sick it's so sick so many every time i've ever worked with a client a non-greenfield client it almost always is like oh yeah we're working in a you know, all oh, this schema, you know, it's like the data sucks. It's like they feel so, like their hands are tied. Like They're I can only refactor so data. much because the data is in a certain shape and it's freaking huge. Mm-hmm. And they ju- you just feel like you're carrying around this massive pack on your back and you, you can't, you know. And why yeah, is so it? And cool. like this is the thing is like why is it? It's because they stored nouns for the last 15 years. Right. If In they theory, had been storing if they verbs, stored events. Yeah. if they had been storing events for the last 15 years, they could fucking nuke their schema tonight and project a new one. Right. They could project a new one and then go, does this count column equal the count column in the old database? You know, yeah, like, right. like, exactly. They take could a snapshot a new of one. our old database. They could write a, a giant test that tests yeah, And then you can just write tests to like make sure that it all has all like parity and everything. I mean it yeah yep it it makes a lot of sense um I did have I thought I had another question I don't remember it but um it makes a lot of sense and I definitely get that vibe of like why don't you make everything an event you know right well (laughs) so I'm I have done that I have built apps where everything is an event right and Uh it's really fun I do, what what I want to communicate clearly here is that you don't have to. Event sourcing okay. is so easy to bring on for a single feature, mm-hmm. right? And if you hate it, it's so easy to bail because all it's, you do it's is under the surface. You have, it's under the surface, and the data is already projected the way it would have been right. if you had written it in a non-event sourced way. Right. So That's all you have to do cool is change part. the way that you generate the data, change the way that you store the data, and then you can yeah. nuke your aggregates and you can nuke your projectors, and it's like they never existed. Yeah. Right. So it's it's yes. so cost free to experiment with event sourcing. You can just be like, all right, I'm, I've got this one greenfield feature. I'm going to yeah. try event sourcing it. If I don't yeah. like it, I'll just fucking nope the fuck out of there and it'll be like it never happened right uh question for you yeah i imagine these events tables get unbelievably nauseatingly massive yes they do massive beyond massive yep massive for a non-massive app let alone a massive app sure so this is where your snapshots really fucking come into play right right so you keep that runtime speed Right, so you because you got you the snapshots. Ideally, will never reference your old events, right? I see. Yeah, because like in a good world, all you're only accessing your events through aggregates, and your aggregates are yeah. snapshotted, and right. so you're only having to deal with the ones since the latest snapshot. Yeah, but yeah, like I mean. I haven't really gotten, and we should actually talk to Chris about what they're doing because they've now got like 
years and years and years of historical events, right? Yeah. But, like, my guess is that, like, it's really, it would really be quite simple to just, like, have some sort of a backup job that is, like, pulling all of these events out to a backup, backup database sure. somewhere or, like, just dumping CSVs or whatever, right? Right. And then you could just, Or maybe like, storing the events in a completely separate database. Yeah. Well, that's right? true, too. Yeah, you could totally do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, okay, Daniel Colborn. Yeah. Um, event sourcing, event sourcing, event are you, sourcing. Are you starting to get like a little of the juice, though, about like why I'm really excited about this stuff? I'm totally dripping juice, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm dripping the juice. Um, I have more like thingies. So like, yeah, okay, you can take the Also, like thing. the other thing that's really cool about this is like all of the like old school fucking, you know, clean code gods that we all came up on they were hyped about this shit like martin fowler fucking loved event sourcing like if you go back and like read some of his stuff about like cqrs and event sourcing and stuff and like domain driven design like Mm -hmm. the overlap between like domain driven design cqrs event sourcing and like that sort of like particular like martin fowler refactoring world Mm -hmm. is like massive but it seems like in our current iteration of like people inspired by that era of like object oriented wizards, mm-hmm. you know, like we've brought forward all of these concepts, but we've kind of like not brought forward event sourcing as like mm-hmm. a concept into this particular corner of the world. What's right? CQRS again? I don't even know what it stands for, but it's basically this idea that like you separate reads from writes, right? And so that like you have a different interface for writing data than you do for reading it so you might write into one table and then read out of a different table okay um which is basically what you're doing with event sourcing right like you're writing into a stored events table right. and you're reading out of the projected tables right okay so the it's funny you're you're like describing like uh you know when somebody has a new like um mushroom tea thing or something it's like oh yeah yeah but the, the ancients used to live the, off this stuff the ancients <laughs> did used to live off this stuff exactly <laughs> it's like event with event sourcing it's like yeah dude you think martin this fowler is... right. <laughs> okay yeah, so yeah. here's here's my bit uh-huh. event sourcing has a marketing problem it sure does it has an identity issue it has a marketing mm-hmm. problem its problem is it is viewed as it from my eyes at least as enterprisey architecture astronauty overkill you probably don't need this unless you work at a really big company and even then you know and and yet and yet here's the thing here's let me try and solve some of its marketing problem by like telling you your pain and telling you how this solves your pain Mm -hmm. and yet because you don't event source you spread your data across 75 million tables and you write these insane queries in order to find out verbs in order to find out, like, someone did a thing, you have to write these insane queries that join 50 different tables because that's how your data is shaped, right? And so, yeah. like, I get pulled into these code bases all the time where it's like, oh, yeah. man. Like, like, so the parking app I worked on. You remember the parking app? I do. I worked on a parking app for some Swedes. Um, I'm, we're, working for them, we're working for them again. And the thing we're working for them on now is a bunch of the code we wrote back then, uh, it generated a lot of data. It turns out there's a lot of parking sessions that happen. Mm. Um, and so, so there's millions and millions of rows now in this database. Yeah. 
And some of the queries are real slow, like yeah. real slow. So we're right. going through and we're event sourcing a big chunk of this app because I, that's the move. I, in general, am such a fan, like one of the programming, um, like. Make well, the query easy, this... then make the easy query. Exactly. Like I was in the, the little um, table column app that we talked about last time. There was like a really simple need for an algorithm that takes like if you select one you know column and then like hold shift and select like another column you want to basically like highlight all the columns in between so you can like highlight across columns and stuff and like the logic for that is fairly straightforward it's a nested for loop you know like you're just nesting through like the, the first rows and then the, the first x and the the beginning x the end x and then the nested for loop is the beginning y and the end y but now when, so you do that simple enough, but now you want to like click on a column and then highlight the top right column of it. And now there's like a negative there. So the for loop doesn't count at all because, you know, whatever. So it's like, oh man, I could do some for loop, fondulary, like, like change, like the, you know, do a conditional right in the loop and like to potentially decrement each increment, whatever. It's like, no, do the workup, do, let the algorithm be its simplest form. And then ahead of it, do min swap max. the beginning and end. Yeah. If right or min and max is a great example of keeping your algorithm, le- leaving your algorithm be by doing the work up front, preparing preparing the data preparing for the, the way. algorithm. You got to prepare the prepare way. Prepare the way. And that dude, it's it's almost one of the most like powerful programming truths and event sourcing in this way is is it's all a representation the of that truth for the pain and the perils of increasingly complex queries. Think about this. Mr. Caleb Porzio is not a database guy Mm -hmm. and I don't have to be, you know, like in a perfect world, I don't have to be a database dude and know like every crazy anything if my data is simple AF, you know? Right. And this, this is like, if I was to like design, I actually said this in a group chat yesterday, just because your domain is complicated doesn't mean your queries have to be right. And like, that is, I think like the major promise of event sourcing is like, you can handle incredibly complicated domains with incredibly complicated requirements, but generate simple data that is easy right. to query. So it has a marketing problem, and I think it needs a new name. And it I think it needs a new like, name, and I think, and I think that, it needs a rethink. I agree. That's what we're doing. Like, <laughs> it needs to be something like called like virtual virtual data the virtual database pattern. So like virtual databases is like. Are you sick of being tied to your bad schema because you feel like you can't touch anything? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what if all your tables were virtual, you know? And yeah. I don't know, that's not, but I'm just thinking along the lines of like a rethink. My mind went to two places. One place is bonkers pie in the sky. What if you, let's say you forget about, can you accomplish event sourcing without any sweat for the, for the user can you make it completely invisible to them? Can they work with Daniel's database engine where they create a table and they just make writes to it and reads from it? They don't even think about it. There's no benefit but, to that, though. But internally, you're keeping track of every mutation historically. Oh. So, the ben- so, so there's some way in da- Daniel's database engine when they go into the panel, they're like, you know what? I wish I had... I hate this query that I'm querying across like 10 tables. I want a value here, you know? Um, I see what you're saying. Uh, so like, it's probably you're saying like, yeah, I don't, cards. I don't think it's in the cards, but like, I do get what you're saying. So basically like 
what we do is we start with a competitor to activity log, right? And we say like the first thing we're going to do is we're just like, hey, this is a way to keep track of changes to your database, right? Okay. Like, so when this when this status column changed, we'll know when it changed and what caused it to change, right? Yeah. Um, so that's like the first thing. But then they're like the second add-on is like, and say you decided that like you wanted to split this up into two tables or not split it up into two tables and have it be one table or whatever. You want to change how the writes were happening, like you can go through and like, you know, surface these aggregates that we were keeping track of the whole time under the hood and like you can do it yourself. Um I think it's not the pitch. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it would be worth exploring if there is a way to achieve the benefits without all the manual finagling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's possible that the benefits necessarily require um, work on how the data work on sending the data to the system. You know, mm-hmm. like which is you know work on defining. Uh, you know, a unit that is an event and then, you know, the projectors, I don't know. I'm just... Yeah, yeah. So I'm starting to think about not calling these things events. Cool. I'm starting to think about calling them actions. Okay. And I'm starting to think about calling aggregates states. Yep. And I kind of think that a world where, like, you have actions and states is a lot easier to understand than a world where you have events and aggregates. Yeah. The word aggregate has got to go. Yeah. A hundred percent. Aggregate is such a bad word. Yeah. State is probably, is probably good. There's a small part of me that's like, it's kind of the opposite of state. Like it's unstateful state, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Which is so there's this part of me that wants to hear the word derived or computed, you know, but I understand that it's like, you're almost replacing one bad for the other. Maybe in the case of computed, derived, I think, is definitely simpler. Um, de- the words derived state to me is like perfectly explains what it is, but it may. It is just, a little mouthy. It's a little mouthy for sure. The um, listener, what should we call it? Hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what it's called. Daniel, what about this? So, this is with anything like this, it's like. I want, if I were to, to do this sort of thing, I want, I want to stay in eloquent, in my eloquent model. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that I can get a lot of this value while staying in my model? Can I define the, yeah. How do so we do this I so do that you think it you feels have to like break it's out eloquent-y? of? I think you have to break out of some paradigms here. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like you shouldn't be writing to your eloquent models in your controllers. That's the point, right? Like if you're going to be event sourcing a a feature, like you can't be writing to eloquent models in your controllers. Like Mm. it's just not the, and there's not going to be, there's no way we're going to rejigger this where, we're going to make it where like you still write to your eloquent models in your controllers and it feels the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a pipe dream that we're going to like, we're going to make it so invisible that you're still going to like feel the same about it. To me, like the win here is not 
making it feel invisible. It's making it feel inevitable, right? Like, I don't think we need to make it, like, I don't want people to have a non-experience with event sourcing. Yeah. You know? I want them to have an experience with event sourcing. I just need to make the experience so good that they can't believe they didn't have it already. Right. Like, I, I don't think there's a world where I can say, like, event sourcing, it's, it's basically what you're already doing. Don't even worry about it. Like, just do it and, like, you won't even notice. Yeah. I want to say, like, you're going to notice and you're going to be like, holy shit, I can't believe I wasted the last five years not doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's called the historical data pattern. It's called the derived data pattern. I think it's actions. It's It's actions. That's the thing. It's like, that's the paradigm shift is that, like, it's we're going from nouns to verbs. We're going from objects to actions, you know? Mm. Hmm. It's action derived data. The data is derived from the actions. Right. I almost don't hate the word event, you know? Event, Events know. have names and they have content. Yeah, it's almost like, like the source of the is data is the events, right? So maybe we could say that like it's event sourced. Right. Which I definitely think is an improvement on event sourcing, you know. <laughs> right. Because it implies the derived nature of it. The decla- yeah, yeah. because it's a declarative way of saying I was totally joking and I took the joke far enough that I even started believing what I was saying. Event sourcing, event sourced, event. I think it's okay to call the, them events, but it's like I want it. I want the focus to not be on the event, but to be on the derived nature of the mm-hmm. data that's built the up derivation. by the derivation. Yeah, the derivation. Yeah. What's other word for derived? Calculated. That's the only other calculated, one I computed. Um, um, projected. Ephemeral. Um, representational. Mm. Trying to go on. What's the shortest thing we can think of? Lens. It's a data lens. Dude, lens. Everything's a data lens. I freaking want to use the word lens, obviously. But the date, you know, a data lens, like that's, that sounds cool. And it actually, it's something. It makes sense. It's definitely not nothing. Right? It's like, no, no, no. Don't look at data. Look through the data lens. Yeah. Event lensing. Uh huh. You look through the events to see your data. (sighs) Hell yeah. Daniel. This has been a pleasure. This has been a pleasure. I've been I've had so much fun. I've been wanting to like yell about events at you for a while. I love it. It's super fun. I wish I had a SaaS app to try it out on, Daniel. Would you like but, to be invited to the pecking order code base so you could go like look at how an event sourced app works? Maybe. I have um I have By the way, pecking order is like almost done. Finally. I believe it when after I see years it. and years and years. We played a game the other cool. day. And we only had one bug, which was that a job fired a million times because it didn't realize that it had already fired. But other than that, everything because works. Because of event sourcing? No, because uh, because there was a fucking uh, exception got thrown that caused it to not finish. And so it never finished. So it never knew that it had finished. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, the it's Discord bot great. works. 
when it drops, dude. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be sick. Uh uh uh. Um, briefly, Daniel, our topic last time that was so exciting and we were mm-hmm. so excited about. Nobody cares about it. I know. Shocking. Nobody gives a crap, dude. Shocking. What's I'm up actually with this? I feel like people actively don't care about this thing that I think is super cool. Dude, I'm like minutes away from getting on a call about that exact product. Oh, yeah? Um, cool. Because we're doing windowing now. So like the whole thing with like yeah, right, cool. the window needs to move with the cells and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you need the windowing. And that is, dude, bro. I built Come it. Come on now. <gasps> built I built it. it, but it only works vertically right now. It That's doesn't right. work horizontal. No horizontal windowing, horizontal. but only vert- vertical windowing. Dude, I want to like explore that, dude. I yeah. love that concept. For the listener, if you have a, you know, everybody, dude, after my freaking post, more people were just mad that I was saying that you would render like that many rows. It was so stupid. It was yeah, so stupid, everybody. They were like, yeah. oh, there's no such thing as an app that needs that. And I was like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm getting paid a bunch of money to build one right now. Right. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> And I think if you do, you know, like, uh, you know, look up like this problem, it, it is true that like you, you probably shouldn't have a row rendered with 10,000 things. And if you're not doing it programmatically, like with pagination or infinite loading, you should be using windowing, which yeah. is the concept of like, as you scroll, what you're scrolling into and out of is all just in time rendered. So oh, that's like, not what I built. I'm just talking oh. about like the actual like what is in the viewport and like managing that with keyboard shortcuts and stuff. And like oh. moving the viewport around the spreadsheet and stuff. Oh, no dude, windowing? Is I know what you like, I know what you mean by windowing. Isn't that now. nuts yeah, yeah, yeah. though? That like would it, be a really cool it use. It is of... indistinguishable from being on a page with 10,000 rows. You don't know that you're being windowed in yeah. theory. Uh-huh. If the window has enough margin to render everything as you scroll super fast, mm-hmm. it's just like the stuff's just there, bro. But really, it's like what is that that effect? It's like something. It's like uh it's like rain. It's like rain on a wedding day. On a wedding day. <laughs> a free ride. <laughs> But you've already paid. But you already paid. Yeah, damn. You're wrecked. <laughs> so, great episode, Daniel. Dude, good shit. Uh, shout out to not Zencaster. Um, send me your file. Cue Zencaster. The wait, outro. Wait. Yeah, what? okay, I'll cue it. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Go ahead, You're going to cue it? No, you I can, cue it. I, I'll cue it. Okay. Cue. The. Outro. Music. Music. Do 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 burn a fuck. <laughs>